Hey, it's Pastor Ted Fabianic here from Faith Life Church in Melbourne, Australia. Welcome to our podcast. We pray that when you listen to this, you'll be inspired and blessed to reach the best things that God has for you. Good morning, church. How are you this morning? Good? Good. That's good. I just want to take this time. Let's just... Um, Let's just be upstanding as we enter a time of prayer. I feel like it's before I start. Oh, good. You don't need to apologize. It's all good. Um, Before we start, I feel that it's important for us to really uh, honor what is about to happen, um, what God is about to deposit onto us, including myself. A lot of this stuff here is not just for yourselves, but it's for myself as well. Um, And so... I feel it's important for us to really humble ourselves as we're about to receive. Um, the best way to receive is to humble ourselves, um, to let go of all things, our own personal perceptions on what God does or what God doesn't do, but really just be open to what God is ready to teach us, what is God is ready to pour out into our lives this morning and for us for the rest of the year and really for the rest of eternity. So I'll just start in prayer, and I encourage you to pray as well as you open your hearts for what God is about to do this morning. Holy Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do in us and through us. I thank you, Lord, that you have have prepared this message. You prepared this message, Lord, and I'm just your vessel. I'm here just as as a mouthpiece, but really it's all you this morning. So Heavenly Father, we're here this morning in, in our hearts, wide open to receive your good news, your amazing word, and your empowering word to equip us and to empower us for the season that we are in and the season to come. And in Jesus' let me pray. Amen. Amen. As you all sit down, uh, find someone close to you and say, which side are you on? Which side are you on? Now go to the other person that is your second choice and say, which side are you on? All right. And I know the air conditioning is on, but ask, are you hot or cold? <laughs> I was the same first. Are you hot or cold? I mean, this is an opportunity for the married couples to say, you're hot. Um, I'll leave that to you. I'll leave that to you. That's all right. No. Okay, we'll get there. We'll get there. The title of my message, uh, I want to just share it with you uh, this morning straight away. As I know for myself, when I like to take notes, I'm always eagerly waiting for the title because it really sets the tone and what I'm ready to receive from. It builds anticipation as well. So the title for this message is Decide Your Side. Now we know already that there are two sides, right? just the kingdom of light and kingdom of darkness. We know about it, we've heard about it, and most of us in this room have already been saved from the kingdom of darkness, which is great. That's an, yeah, that's an amen moment. I want to go through our first passage of the day, which is Colossians chapter 1. I'll be reading from verse 13 to 14. Verse 13, it reads, it says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom with his blood and forgave our sins. So I want to start this off with just highlighting that there are two different sides, and this is what the two different sides are. 
kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light. And why I wanted to have you guys ask one another, just like, which side are you on, is that it's really, they're really sides. You can't be in between. You can't be, have one foot on one side and the other foot on the other side, like, oh, maybe I'm feeling like this today or maybe I'm feeling like this today. But it's a decision, a wholehearted decision, that we commit to ourselves as to which side that we are on. You know, we've heard the passage where God says, or where Jesus says, either you're hot or cold, I don't want you to be lukewarm. And this is what it's talking about. Which side are you on? You can't be on the fence about this. This This is a decision. And this is a decision that is available for us every day. And even though the word tells us in the book of John, what Jesus has said is that when you are free, you are free indeed. That is true. You are free when you receive Christ. You are free. You are retrieved and transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the, into the kingdom of light. That is true. But you can still go back. You can still go back. When it talks about this, when a kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light, if you really boil it down to the two things that, of how we walk in these different kingdoms, can be boiled down to, to two things, really. If you're walking and living in the kingdom of darkness, you know that a lot of the things, a lot of the motives that you have is fueled by pride. It's fueled about yourself. What can I achieve through this? Or maybe I can achieve this because of my successes in the past. Because I've done this, I can do this. Because I know this, I can do this. Because I know this, I know that already. Whereas in the kingdom of light, it's humility. It's the complete opposite. It's not about yourself anymore. It's about others. It's about serving others. That's why when it talks, when the word talks about the things that we are to, I suppose the fruits that we are to grow and produce, the only thing that, that talks about that even has the word self in there is self-control. You control yourself. You, you put that down. Everything else that is to go outwards onto others, that's the one. That's the one that is to be going wild. Your kindness is the one that's to be going wild. Your generosity, your love is to be going wild. Not your control. So it's more so about you control yourself you focus on others. That's the kingdom of light. Where I said in the kingdom of darkness, complete flip. It's about yourself. That's second priority. Their second priority. So the thought switches from, if I do this, what's in it for me? You know, when, when that thought comes in, that you're facilitating and you're serving in that kingdom of darkness. I don't have the, uh, the passage up there, but I want to continue on to Acts chapter 4, verse 12. And it reads, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Your salvation comes from nowhere else in this world, not even yourself. You didn't bring yourself to the point that you're at now. 
you being redeemed, you being in a place of salvation, you being in a place of, in the process of sanctification, you didn't bring yourself there. Jesus brought you there. God brought you there. And that's what we established in, in, in the previous passage. Verse 14 in Colossians 1, it says, who purchased our freedom with his blood forgave our sins. It doesn't read who purchased your own freedom. Like we didn't purchase our own freedom with our own blood and we didn't forgive our own sins. We didn't lay our own hands like, yes, I'm forgiven of my sins. Thank you, AJ. Or whatever your name will be. You didn't, you didn't put, lay hands on yourself and say, I forgive my own sins. But the authority, the authority was never on us to begin with. That came from God, that came from Jesus, that came from Holy Spirit that guided us, that gave us revelation that, hey, I do have the authority now. Now that I'm under Christ, now that I'm in the kingdom of light. So your, your salvation is not from you, but it's from God's doing. You know, the, one, of the, um, one of the great theologians, his name is uh, Athanasius, I don't know if you know the guy, good guy. He said, if, if the entire world were to repent for their sins, apologize sincerely, gave all the sacrifices possible, sacrificed every animal possible in the world where we'd have no more animals, God will still say that's not enough. It doesn't make the cut. Even if you apologize, even if you punish yourself, even if you retract yourself from, from society, even if you isolate yourself in, in a cave that you've found, if you become a recluse, if you become that kind of thing, it will never be enough. If everyone did that, it will still not be enough. Even if we're all weeping while we're on our knees, apologizing, it will still not be enough. It's not in us to bring forgiveness. It's not in us to bring salvation. It's not in us to bring victory. And this is what I want us to understand this morning is that we need to humble ourselves. We need to humble ourselves in the presence. We need to humble ourselves when it comes to what God is doing in our lives. It's because when we humble ourselves, that's when we see more of him. Right? The more we humble ourselves, the more we see him. I mean, I'm sure everyone here has taken a family picture in one way or another or, or a selfie or something like that. But if you imagine, if you're taking a picture and you yourself is all up here to the camera, can you imagine I'm here taking a picture, like, yeah, everyone gather around and I'm here like this. Who are you going to see more? I'm going to see myself more than, than, than anyone else, right? But if I distance myself, if I humble myself and bring myself back, there is more that you can see of who I'm taking a picture of. And so when it comes to life, when we, when we distance and humble ourselves, the more we can see God present in our life. And that's the power of humility. That's the power of, of what humility and, and being humble can achieve in our lives. It's not, you know, I'm, not, I'm not saying for you to, uh, 
to curl up and, and, and to, it's not, it's not you being weak. Humility and being humble is not weakness. But really, it's, it's a step forward. It's you saying that, okay, I may not have the strength to do so, but I know who does. That's what humility is. Pride is you saying, I have what it takes to handle this. Humility says, I don't, but God does. And that's where we want to be this morning and here on out for the rest of the year because there's stuff that we've been going through for the past few years that we've been trying and trying and trying to do things in our own strength and it's not working. We get frustrated, we get annoyed, we get anxious, we become fearful, we become hesitant to do things for the Lord because we're reliant in our own strength. We're no longer relying on God's strength to achieve the things that he wants us to do, but we're relying on our own strength. It's as simple as when God says, hey, can you pray for so-and-so? You're thinking, no, I can't because I'm not good at praying. But let me ask you, who gave you that ability to pray in the first place and who were you praying to in the first place? You're not praying to yourself. When you're praying for someone, it's like, oh, I just prayed to AJ right now that AJ will heal this person and he's praying for. It doesn't work like that. When we pray for even, even the things that... that that Jesus was teaching us in how we pray, it starts off with identifying who it is that we're praying to. He says, our Father who art in heaven. First thing he says, the focus is on God. The focus isn't on yourself to fulfill the prayer, it's for the focus is on God to fulfill the prayer. So the power isn't in all yours, not at all. So that's why we need to humble ourselves. We need to realize we're not all that. (laughs) We don't have everything under control, and that's fine. It's fine that you don't have control. The only thing that God wants you to control is yourself. (laughs) Because that's all that we can manage. When it comes to finances, yeah, be good stewards, but allow God to control, to handle your provision. That's one of his names, Jehovah Jireh our provider, let him provide for you, let him steward that finance, but you gotta surrender that to him. You gotta humble yourselves that, Lord, I'll do as much as I can on my end, but I know it can only go so far, you gotta do the rest. And that's more than finance, that's talking about anything and everything really that we, that we put our hands on, that we put our feet on, the things that we think about The word even tells us that God's ways are not our ways. And it's a, it's a thing that far exceeds our imagination, far exceeds our, our planning, our strategy. You could feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm the CEO of, of so-and-so. I, I got all the, all the strategic ideas to be able to, to work through this and be able to get great fruit and great revenue from this. That's great. But imagine if you can go further. Imagine if you can go further than that. You know, you may be looking at your finances like, hey, look, this year we could probably get to a saving about, I don't know, five, six thousand dollars, right? But that's from your understanding. That's from your strategic planning and how you steward your finance and all that kind of stuff. And that's great. Imagine if you let go of that. Imagine how much more God can multiply that
So continuing on to Acts chapter 4, verse 12, what that's saying. And as I said, I'm going to go through it again. That we are eternally free. Amen? We are eternally free through Christ, but when we no longer walk with him, where do we go? We go back into slavery under the kingdom of darkness. There's no other place. There's no in-between. There's no holding, holding zone in-between the two places. It's either that or the other. But when we go back, you know, because the word does say when we are free, we are free indeed, right? Freedom is still there for us, but what we do is that we neglect it. We neglect our freedom, right? A perfect example of that is, is we see that in, in the prodigal son. For those familiar with the story of the prodigal son, you may start to get like, oh yeah, I'm seeing some things there. I'm going to run it down, cut it short, but essentially the story is the youngest son of, of, of two says to the father and says, hey, um, thanks for the life. I'm, I'm ready to take my inheritance now. And essentially during that time, that's, that's basically the son saying, hey, uh, you're dead to me, give me my money. Essentially, that's the weight of what he had said. Right? So living under his father's covering, living in that, in that home, he was in freedom. He was, he was, I'm sure the life wasn't all that bad, but he said, hey, I've seen someone else that has this particular life and I, I want that. Takes the father's treasures, goes out into the world, comes back eventually. And that's, kind of, that's the image of what we get when we, when we walk in and out of freedom. When we were in freedom, yeah, great, thanks God, thanks for the healing, thanks for the provision, I'll see you later. Thanks for that. We come into church one day, or maybe for some of us, we only come to church because we want to receive something. We're waiting for that inheritance, we're waiting for that will, we're waiting for God to say, well, here you go. We come into church initially saying, hey, look, I need healing in my arm. I need healing in my leg. I need healing in my family. Can you pray for my family? And then when that thing happens, when that healing comes, you're like, okay, thanks, church. I'm out. And then you go back. You're back into living under darkness. And sometimes it's not even in that bigger scale. Sometimes it could be as simple as, hey, I'm just going to head to church on a Sunday just so I, I take that off on my, on my box saying, yep, I'm doing what a, what a Christian does. I'm doing what a believer does. I'm doing what a follower of Christ does. I come in on a Sunday, take that off. Okay, Sunday's done. Monday, time to go back into my habitat. <laughs> right, I'm going to go back to, to where it's comfortable. I'm going to go back to to doing these things and going back to, to cursing people, to judging people, to condemning people, to manipulating people, to leading people astray. I'm going to go all the way back there because that's where it feels good. Oh, Saturday's coming. I should probably... Actually, nah, never mind. It's not Sunday yet. And then Sunday comes. Oh, I should probably head to church, so I tick that off. Yep, done. I'm refreshed. Thanks for the word, Pastor Ted. I'm out again. It doesn't work like that. And that's the decision that is available for us this morning is what choice are we making this morning really? Which side are we really on? You're either one 
or the other. Now, I'm not saying you have to be perfect, right? The process of humility, it, it, it's, well, yeah, it's a process, right? It, it, takes, it takes time to get to that point. But every step that we, that we get is closer and closer to us walking with Christ. It gets us closer and closer to, to trusting him more, to leaning on him more. So I encourage you, do not neglect your salvation. Now, um, the major passage that we'll be looking into is in James chapter 4. So I'll give you guys time to, to get there. James chapter 4. says, and from verse 1, What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Then they come from the evil desires at war within you. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. What's that saying? Before I continue on, what that says is, yeah, you're desiring something that someone else has, but when you eventually get it, it doesn't satisfy. That's, that's the real shortened version of that. It doesn't satisfy. Verse 3, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Verse 4, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. So what is he saying? What are these five verses saying? It's highlighting pride, what pride does, how pride consumes how pride consumes our desires, how, how it poisons so many areas of our lives. And this is, this is the plan. This is the enemy's plan. The main reason why Satan fell from heaven was because of pride. And I can, I can, I can imagine it how it was in heaven at that moment because Jesus describes it as, I saw Satan fall like lightning. That's instantaneous. That is in the moment. It's almost as if as soon as Satan had the thought of pride, boom, he was on earth. He wasn't even given a chance. He wasn't even given a chance to explain himself to say, oh, no, it was just a little thought. I was just, oh, I don't know. He wasn't given that opportunity to explain himself to God. Why is that? Because there's no place in heaven for pride. No place. Strictly no place. Because the two kingdoms can't be dwelling with each other. It's either one or the other. Because once, the, once God gives Satan the opportunity to explain himself in heaven, you're already allowing this gray area in heaven. You're already allowing this allowance of, oh, you can have a bit of pride, but you've got to explain yourself. God's saying, strictly no pride. Strictly 
no selfish thoughts. So this highlights our pride. And the thing is, so the plan, as I was saying, this is, this is the plan, this is the scheme of, of the enemy, right? You can take this down, you can write down whatever revelation you get from it, but the scheme of the enemy in the utilization of pride is because if he is that very thing, that's, that's, that's basically, that's, that's all he knows. That, that's, that's all his language is when it comes to, to influencing us and trying to deter us away. He wants the same result to happen to us as what he received. He doesn't want us by Jesus. The word tells us that Jesus is preparing a seat for us with him. The enemy didn't like that. I can only imagine him now with someone with prideful thinking, how can, how can you allow them to have a seat next to you when they're so prideful, when they think so much of themselves, when they do these things amongst each other, when they lie, when they slander, when they kill each other? It's, like, it's just moments ago I saw Cain slay Abel. You're allowing these people, you're allowing mankind to have a seat. And it's that same intrusive thought that comes to us, that comes into our hearts, who am I? Can I really do this? Should I do this? Did God really call me to do this? It's the same language, it's the same tone that that questions you, that tries to sabotage you from the truth that God is saying, hey, you actually belong. You know what the beautiful thing is when God created Adam and Eve, when God created you, when God created man, there had to be a reference, right? There had to be a reference. When you make something, there is a reference. So who was the reference? The reference was Jesus. When he saw man, when he's creating you, I'm going to create man in the image, in the same image as Jesus to reflect that. So God had, God had had it from the very beginning to, have, to intend for you to be with him, to have that relationship with him, to be drawing close with him. But the enemy is trying to, to pull us away from that, influencing, influencing us through pride and, and the things that, these, all these selfish thoughts. So one of the kind of things that pride influences is pride prevents growth, pride poisons relationships, pride produces stress and creates opposition. Those are the things that pride does. Like how, do, how, does it, how does it prevent growth? Well, when, as I say, when, when, you have, when you're prideful, you have the, you have the thought, you have the, the understanding, hey, I know this already. I can tune out from this now. I've read this passage already. I've read this chapter. I've already read the book of Luke. I don't need to read it again. I've read the Bible from start to finish this year. I read it last year. I'm set. All right. Or even when, when I'm preaching or a guest speaker preaches or when Pastor Ted or, or when everyone, anyone is speaking or whatever you hear from a podcast or something that you watch on YouTube or wherever, you would be like, oh yeah, they're talking about this. Yeah, I've read this. This is pretty good. And you're like, and then when they say it, you start thinking, mm, I don't know about that. Prevents your growth. Prevents you receiving. 
because you're already disconnected from, okay, what can I get from this? You already place yourself from, I already know where you're coming from. I can't learn anything else from this. And that's the danger of pride, preventing your growth. Poisons relationships. Not only does it poison your relationship with God, but it poisons your relationship with others. When you are so self-focused and feel so self-entitled, you feel like, I can just talk to anyone and everyone in this manner and I'll just cover it up and it's all good. You may not realize the poison that's coming out, but it's still happening. It produces stress. It produces the things that, it produces anxiety. It produces things that you, you start to worry and be concerned about things. It starts to produce fear. Right? And when it, when it comes to fear, we were, we were singing a song, the last song that we were singing, where it talks about throwing our fear into the wind. And the beauty of that is when it comes to fear, what fear does is, is it takes our eyes away from focusing on God, but it takes on focusing on, on our hands. So there's something happening in our lives. Oh, I'm freaking out. I'm, I'm panicking. Because you're looking at your hands, I can't handle this. I can't do anything about this. And that's why we're fearsome. That's why we're afraid. That's why we have anxiety. That's why we're hesitant to to step into things because we feel like I don't have what it takes. But it's not about you. When God is taking you through somewhere, he is equipping you and empowering you to go through that, to grow you, to sharpen you. Now, the word tells us that he won't take us through anything that we can't handle. Now, I'm not just saying, you know, you don't purposefully look for trouble, right? There's enough trouble that comes our way naturally. We, I'm just up here and I'm sure something will happen that will give me some trouble, right? Trouble comes naturally. We don't need to look for it. But when it does come, God is saying, look, I've already poured out so much into you. You can just continue to keep walking. You don't need to slow down. You don't need to pay any more attention or any more mind into this because you've already got what it takes. But you've only got what it takes when you let go of what you have, but you take what he has. Amen? Amen. Continuing on in James chapter 4 from verse 6. And he gives grace generously as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Verse 7, so humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know, when it comes, when it comes to the word flee, it's not just gently walking away in a nice manner. It's like, oh, you're resisting me. Okay, my mistake, right? I'll just walk away. When it's flee, it is a sprint. It is a panic. It is feared. The opportunity that you have when you resist the enemy is that the enemy experiences the very fear that he's trying to instill into you. The enemy will run, will sprint, will get away as far and far wide as, as it can to not get touched, to not get impacted. That will cause harm to itself. Verse 8, so come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. So it is he that lifts you up, 
not ourselves, not yourself, not your successes, not the things that you've done or the things that you continue to do or the, the great ideas that you have. That's not going to lift you up. It's God that lifts you up. So in saying all this, the way James says it, it's beautiful because he, he highlights pride and it says, here's the antidote. And the antidote is humility. The poisonous thoughts, the things that we're believing in that is fueled from pride, the antidote for that is humility. If you want to get out of that prideful life, humility. And to walk in humility is to walk with God. It's not silencing any other voices around you, any other influences around you where you're by yourself. It's not isolation, but it's walking with God. And when we are in humility, what naturally comes out is our expression of love for God. That is what naturally comes out. Because all the more we trust in him. As I'm wrapping up, I just want to take us to uh, James chapter 4. So I'll just have the worship team come up as we turn there in James chapter 4, verse 17. It says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and don't do it, it is sin for them. Let me read it again for those at the back. <laughs> if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and don't do it, it is sin for them. As a believer, as a Christian, if you know that, that someone is in need and God has placed it in your heart to bless them or to pray for them or to provide for them or to be with them, to give them an encouraging word and you say, no, I'm not going to do it because I'm not comfortable, then that is sin for you. That is what this word is saying. Quite frankly, that is what the word is saying. And he's placing it before you. What's your decision? What's your choice? You know, let me take this on a, in a practical level, right? Something that all, we all experience when it comes to praise and worship. What has God done for you? And what is he continuing to do in your life? And if you ask yourself honestly, does my praise and worship reflect that gratitude? Or does it not? Does my gratitude reflect where he has taken me and what he continues to do? Or am I so focused on how people perceive me or how people look at me by the way I act or by the way I praise him, by the way I worship him, by the way I speak about him onto others? Then that's the shift into pride now because you're talking about yourself. It says God gives you the desire to do his will. That's in Philippians chapter 2. God gives you the desire and will to do his will. He, t he, doesn't, he doesn't 
want just your faith, He wants your obedience. And when we come into humility, that obedience comes out. So He gave you faith to be obedient to His Word. He didn't give you faith just so you could say no to the great things that He could get you to be involved with. As I was saying, when it comes to praise and worship, is our praise and worship reflecting that gratitude that we have? Like if we, if we know that God deserves our greatest praise, God deserves our greatest worship, God deserves everything, yet we don't do that, what does that mean? If we, if we know that, oh God, you know, the word tells us to, to, really, to really let go and to entrust our finances with you. And we know that that's, that's the good that we ought to do, yet we don't do it. What does that mean for us? Now, and it comes to another picture where it talks about healing or what God can do, what God can give you. If you know that God can provide for you, God can heal you, God has so much blessings for you. And you know the good thing to do there is believe, but you don't do it, what does that mean? You know, one of the passages that talks about when it, one, of the, uh, one, of, one of these guys had approached Jesus, hey, can you heal my son? If you're, if you're willing to do it and if you can. And Jesus said, well, I, I can <laughs> and I am willing. And then the man responded, then Lord, help me with my unbelief. Help me with my unbelief. So this morning as I'm wrapping up, I want to encourage you that it's, It doesn't have to be all on you anymore, right? The weight of the world, the weight of your family doesn't have to be all on your shoulders anymore. God's saying, hey, let me help you out. Let me actually be there with you and for you. And as the word says, when we come closer to him, he comes closer to us. So if we feel like, God, you feel, you're so distant, I can't feel you around tangibly. Where's your presence? I'm at church, Pastor Victor's talking about presence, I'm really not feeling it. Let me encourage you, instead of wondering where the presence is, for you to step out. Step out in faith, step out in obedience. Raise your hands in worship. Clap your hands in praise. Go on your knees as a self-sacrifice. Really step out in obedience and say, God, I just want to seek you. God, I'm just so hungry for you. Even though I'm not feeling your presence, I'm just going to keep running for it. I'm going to keep going for it. Even though things don't make sense right now, even everything around me is failing, everything around me is crumbling. God, I know your presence is so much more powerful, so I'm just going to keep chasing, keep going. And as we continue to go and go and go and go, as we continue to get closer and closer and closer, God's saying, hey, I'm coming closer as well. The more you focus on me, the bigger I get. Right? Whatever we focus on, we magnify. So what are we magnifying in our lives? What are we focusing on? And so this morning, I'm going to open up the altar and I'm going to pass the, uh, 
the mic to Pastor Victor as he closes the service, but I'm going to give you the opportunity this morning for two things. You can either come up and, you know, if you want to give your heart to Christ, I'm there with you. I'm there to pray with you. Take this personal time. If you want to recommit yourself, let's take, let's go through that together. I'll pray for you. If you feel like you need prayer, you're like, you know what, Pastor Ajay, I'm just feeling this pride. It's heavy on my shoulders. I want to let it go. How do I start? What does that look like? How do, how do I let it go? I'm here to pray that with you. God reveals something because your obedience and your trust in Him. So church, can we trust in Him again? Right, can we trust in Him in this, in this coming week and then the rest of the day? Even in this very moment, there's stuff that's happening. I'm sure there's stuff that's happening in your life right now. There has to be. Will you trust Him in that? Will you let go of, of your plans? Will you let go of your strategies and, and take up His strategies, His plans, His ideas? Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank You for this morning. I thank You, Lord, that You are here, that You are present, that You've never left, Lord. Thank You, Lord, that all we needed to do is just shift our focus, shift our percep perception onto You, Lord. We just let go of all these things, Lord. We can let go of all these distractions, all these strategies that we think that will bring us personal success. Lord, we let go of the earthly wisdom we let go of the wisdom that the, the kingdom of darkness presents to us. We let go of that. We reject that. We rebuke that. And we turn to you, Lord. This morning, Father, we see the gates wide open for us to step into the kingdom of light. And we are stepping in. We are stepping in boldly. We are stepping in with audacity, Father, because we know that this is the best thing for us. And this is, we know that this is a moment, a moment that shifts not only the month or the rest of the year, but this shifts our eternity. So we make this decision today, we make this decision tomorrow and on a daily for the rest of eternity. We make the decision to trust you, to come closer to you, to let go of our desires, to let go of our fears. Because when we have fear, it's... But when we feel like we're in lack, it, it's not that we are lacking, but we're just focusing on ourselves instead of focusing on You. And so, Lord, we shift our eyes to You. We, we realign. We realign and we, we set ourselves up in our trajectory so we can go towards You. So we'll be able to soar with You, Father. We're able to fly with You, Father. We're able to see things in a new perspective and see things how You see things, Father. And I thank you, Lord, that that is available for us on a daily, that is available for us right now, Lord. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you stir in our hearts a fresh desire, a fresh will, a fresh hunger for you, Father. Give us a fresh taste of something, Lord, that we haven't experienced before. Let us, let us be so, so enticed to your irresistible kingdom, Father. Let us be up to a point where we don't want anything else, where we just hunger for you, Lord. Where if we taste anything else, we know that that just, that just pales in comparison to what You can provide for us. Lord, give us that revelation. Give us that conviction that You give us the best, that You give us the greatest, that You give us something that will never fade away, that will never be removed or stolen. Lord, Heavenly Father, help us with our unbelief. Let us believe again, Lord. 
Help us to see the truth in our situation. Help us to see the truth that you have spoken in our situation, the victory that you have spoken in our situation, Lord. Only Father, we we step away from from the from the thought of of being a victim, the thought of being in defeat, Lord, and we step into victory. We step into a position of victory and we function from that. We push from that. We claim land from that. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the victory that you have placed in each and every one of our lives, Lord, and that you're not done with us yet. You will never be done with us, Father. Even if we turn away, even if we neglect the salvation, you're there on that hill waiting every moment of every day. When the sun is up, when the sun is down, you're waiting. You're waiting for us. So Father, give us the heart. Give us the, give us the desire to come back home. Come back home. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.